0: Section 3 of Apis Malefica by C. W. Wolfe. Recording by Marie Dahm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Whosoever compares the totality of these effects of apis to the symptoms of the prevailing abdominal typhus will admit that apis is homeopathic to this disease. He will even admit that this homeopathicity of apis to abdominal typhus extends to the minute particulars of the disease in their totality even the course which apis pursues in developing its effects in the organism is similar to the progressive development of typhus anyone who has witnessed as i have the course which this disease pursues will admit that the mucous membrane of the alimentary canal is first affected by the disease in the same manner as apis affects it that this irritation of the mucous membrane is followed by gastric catarrhal symptoms which are speedily succeeded by symptoms of disintegration of the animal fluids and typhoid phenomena that the gastric irritation is generally characterized by boils urticaria erysipelas of the skin and nervous irritation by symptoms of abdominal typhus that the internal and external development of the disease is determined by a striking sympathetic derangement of organic functions of the liver and still more of the spleen and likewise by a more striking prominence of the intermittent type of the fever, and that all these varied disturbances finally culminate in abdominal typhus. Owing to this remarkable similarity, apis will effect striking cures of all these different derangements. If, after more or less distinctly felt premonitory symptoms, after a sudden cold, excessive exertions, prostrating emotions, or enjoyments, a more or less violent fever is developed accompanied by dullness and painfulness of the head retching and vomiting distension and sensitiveness of the pit of the stomach and soon after of the whole abdomen with urging diarrhea happy and foul taste in the mouth loss of appetite and thirst feeling of dryness in the mouth and throat tongue sore as if burnt and swollen with antagonistic change of symptoms suspicious and extraordinary prostration and feeling of fainting a few spoonfuls of the above-mentioned solution of apis three will afford such speedy relief that it may seem incredible to those who have not witnessed it the nausea the vomiting the diarrhea and the painfulness of the abdomen disappear quiet sleep sets in with general perspiration which terminates the fever and affords great relief after waking the patient is comforted by the internal sensation of returning health a natural appetite is again felt the strength returns and in a few days the healthy look of the tongue and buccal cavity shows that the mucous membrane of the stomach and bowels has recovered its normal quality the longer help is deferred the longer time the morbid process has had in making its inroads upon the system the more frequently will it be necessary to repeat the medicine until a cure is achieved a natural appetite is again felt the strength returns And in a few days, the healthy look of the tongue and buccal cavity shows that the mucous membrane of the stomach and bowels has recovered its normal quality. The longer help is deferred, the longer time the morbid process has had in making its inroads upon the system, the more frequently will it be necessary to repeat the medicine until a cure is achieved. The same good result is perceived if the morbid process is accompanied by furuncles, verticaria, erysipelas, the latter principally on the head and face less frequently upon the extremities and inclining to shift from one place to another such a combination of symptoms not only shows a higher degree of intensity of the disease but also shows that the organism is still capable of battling against the internal disease by compelling it to leave the interior tissue and to develop itself externally Such a combination of symptoms not only shows a higher degree of intensity of the disease, but also shows that the organism is still capable of battling against the internal disease by compelling it to leave the interior tissue and to develop itself externally. It is the first business of the physician to support the organism in this tendency and to guard the brain and bowels from every destructive relapse. APIS, employed as above, accomplishes this result more speedily than any other drug. Of course, a few days are required for this purpose, although the rules of using the drug and the course of treatment are the same. The same observation applies to the not-unfrequent complication with the organic disease of the spleen and consequent dropsy. APIS, used in the same manner, effects in as short a period as the intensity of the symptoms will permit, a mitigation and gradual disappearance of the painfulness of the spleen, restores the normal action of the spleen more and more, and neutralizes the tendency to dropsical effusion at the same time as it expels the accumulated fluid by increasing the secretions from the bladder and the bowels and the cutaneous exhalation. If the liver is organically diseased, apis is no longer sufficient. In such a case, the action of the liver has first to be restored to its normal standard in dropsical diseases i have affected this result most frequently for years past by means of carduus less frequently by Quassia, still less frequently by Noxvamica, and only in a few cases by caledonium according as one or the other of these agents seemed indicated by the epidemic character of the disease in all non-malignant cases, if the medicine was permitted to act in time, the whole disease was often cut short by the use of these drugs and the development of typhoid symptoms prevented. Not, however, in all more inveterate cases, where the prevailing character of the disease, by its more penetrating action upon the tissues, induced a slower and more threatening course of development as soon as the pains in the right hypochondrium had disappeared the bilious quality of the feces had been restored and the urine had become lighter colored but the fever still continued tongue throat pit of the stomach and abdomen had become more sensitive the head duller and tighter and the prostration more overpowering in such a case apis prepared as above became indispensable in order to remove all danger to life its curative action soon became manifest in two different ways if the reactive force of the organism was still sufficient the medicine succeeded very speedily in preventing the supervention of the typhoid stage in changing the fever type from a remittent or even continuous to an intermittent type during which the convalescence of the patient aided by a suitable diet was more and more firmly established and generally completely secured after the lapse of a week if the typhoid stage could not be prevented and set in with the following symptoms the patient lies on his bed in a state of apathy with loss of recollection sopor, muttering delirium hardness of hearing inability to protrude the tongue or to articulate dry cracked sore blistered ulcerated tongue difficult deglutition painful distension of the abdomen which is sensitive to contact or pressure retention of the stool or else frequent painful foul bloody involuntary diarrhea fermentous urine which is sometimes discharged involuntarily the skin is at times partially dry burning at times partially clammy cool trembling and twitching of the limbs white malaria on the chest and abdomen extreme debility with settling towards the foot-end of the bed changing pulse which is at times slow at others accelerated feeble intermittent in such a case apis requires more time to heal the mucous membrane of the alimentary canal to restore the normal action of the bowels to regulate the digestive functions to procure quiet and refreshing sleep and to gradually effect a complete restoration of health if the mucous membrane of the respiratory organs was invaded by the morbid process the cure was nevertheless completed as soon as the mucus lining of the intestinal canal was restored to its natural condition. End of section 3.